thank you so much for having me. Hi, thanks so much for being here. I'm so happy to have you on. Would you mind just introducing yourself a little bit to the audience and then we're going to dive in? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Aubrey Malik and I'm a wife. I have two little boys and I'm also a business owner. I started out um, not being a business owner. I was an elementary teacher with no business background, but always had this pull and just desire to want to push myself and to try new things. And about two and a half years ago, I stumbled upon freelancing and becoming a virtual assistant. And I was really at a pivotal moment where I was ready to step away from the classroom, not because I didn't love what I did, but because um, I really wanted a schedule that I could work around my family. And I, my oldest son had some health issues and he was going through speech therapy. And we just knew it was a time in our family where I needed to step away so that I could support him and and provide the the health that he needed during that time. And at the time I was seven months pregnant and I kind of made it a goal, a lofty goal to step away from the classroom before my second son was born. So I dove in to freelancing, finding clients, marketing, learning all that I can, like gaining all this new knowledge, learning tons of new business language that I'd never heard before, but really made it my goal to to do that. And so it was just consistent action every single day, working, networking. And I was able to do that. My last day in the classroom was the day before my second son was born. And I haven't looked back ever since, but about a year into it, when I really scaled my business and had consistent clients and really great income, I was missing that piece of teaching because like I said, I I love what I did as a teacher, but um, I just knew that it couldn't right now at this point in my life be within the four walls of a classroom. So I started to kind of lean into that again, feeling that pull that there's, there's something else I should be doing and transitioned into not only being a freelancer, providing done for you services to my clients, but also guiding and mentoring and coaching other virtual assistants who want to get their business up off the ground, or they have a business, but they don't have the consistency. It's not at a place where they can maybe walk away from their nine to five. So really helping them through that getting their systems in place, refining their service, and really narrowing down on their marketing so they can be effective. So that's kind of the the short story of how I got to where I am today and what I'm up to now. Wow. Well, thank you for giving that. Yeah, I know it's hard to kind of like summarize everything, but you did such a good job explaining, running us through your kind of where you've been and where you are. And I, I can't wait to dive deep. So with that, I want to talk all about this VA world. So for those of you guys listening that don't know what a VA is, I just want to be really inclusive and make sure everybody understands the topic. So this is all around virtual assistance. This industry has just exploded and I love your business model and exactly how you're helping these moms or other women that are you know, freelancers and you're trying to get them off the ground so that they have a very profitable business. I think it is a genius business model that you've got going on. So do you think you can maybe talk a little bit about, say that I'm a busy mom and I'm just starting to, starting to get some profit, some income, and I'm just getting really overwhelmed. I can't keep up with my business anymore. What is the first step we take to embark on this journey of considering getting a VA? Yeah, absolutely. And to your point too about it exploding, it it truly is, particularly in the last, you know, 10 months when all these businesses who they did things the way they did them, they were brick and mortar, you know, they just were like, we, you know, business is going fine. We don't need to bring our business online or eventually we'll bring our businesses online. And now they're kind of forced to, because that's the way that things are going. And, and I think that even if things do go back to normal, like we are in a very heavy digital era now and having an online presence is super, super important. So yes, like it's, it's mm-hmm. a very high time for VAs and also for business owners who are looking to hire VAs. Like it, it's 
a really great marriage right there. So what I would say to people, if you, if you're running a business, if you have a lot of things, if you're looking to hire the first thing I would make a list of everything that you have to do to make your business run, because there are a lot of things. And then from that list, I would look at the things that you absolutely hate doing the things that you like dread they're they're always last on your to-do list those are going to be those things that you might want to hand off to someone else a flip side of that is also looking at the things that don't necessarily need your hand in it so like for you and I both, like we run a podcast, like we have to record the podcast. We can't have anybody do that for us, but do we have to necessarily do the editing and creating the graphics and the show notes? No, that's something that someone else could come in and do. So I would really look at either those things that you don't enjoy doing that are always falling last to do on your list or those things that really don't need your hand in it because someone else, and I know this is hard for me too, like being on both sides, like having that virtual assistant background, but also being a business owner, I like having control of things. And so it it is hard for me to let go of those things. But I think we have to remember too, like, we don't have to be good at everything. And there's probably someone out there that can do what you do and maybe even do it a little bit better because they're really focused on that. They have the right systems in place. They've refined that. So yeah, those, those would be my suggestions. If you're looking to outsource, to hire someone, things you don't enjoy doing are things that don't need your hand in them. That is so helpful. And I, for those of you saying, well, when do I know when it's time? I think it's when you are not able to keep up with really showing up in your business, as far as like the content production or revenue generating things that only you can do. That's one thing, you know, when you're not getting things done on your to-do list, that shouldn't be that hard. And then also when you've exhausted everything around automation, or you just don't even have time to think about the automation, you know? So those are a few indicators. So I think that's really helpful though, the way that you've characterized it as far as how how do we round up kind of the tasks that we need to hire out? So then once we have our list of say, you know, five or 10 areas that we definitely need help with, where do we go to find a VA and how do we make sure that we're asking for the right skills, getting the right skill match? How does that all go down? A VA is basically like a doer. So that's going to be someone that's going to more and come into your business and just do the tasks that you need to get done. So if you just have like small, minor things, email management, data entry, research, um, small things like that. Like that's someone like a VA is really great for. Now, if you're looking for more of a strategic partner, someone that's actually going to not just complete the task, but also provide that guidance, then you're going to want to make sure that you make that clear that you're looking for someone with a little bit more experience. And this is where I move a lot of my students from getting started, being a virtual assistant, learning the different things. That's a great place to start. But as they move on through, we start to specialize because that's the way that you're really going to be able to provide more of that strategic role, be that strategic role for your clients. You're going to be able to provide them guidance and maybe give them suggestions on, Hey, I see that you're doing it this way, but maybe let's try it this way. And I think this might be a better way to be able to complete it. So a good place to look for VAs, I think you could always ask around, like ask any of your business owner friends, like, is there anybody that you've worked with that you know, that does what this task or what I need, because referrals are going to obviously speak a lot louder. If they've had an experience with them, they know them. Facebook groups are another really great place to look, to, to start to vet people, to see who, even if you're not at the point where you're like, I'm ready to hire, you can kind of start to see, Hey, I'm, I might be looking to hire this out. I'd love to just get some names of people so that when I'm ready, I can start moving on through the list. So 
referrals are a really great place. Facebook groups are a really great, great place. Those are like the two main that a lot of people focus on, but there's definitely tons of other avenues you can do. LinkedIn, look on LinkedIn, there's freelancing websites. I have never really ventured into that at like being on the other side of it, but those are definitely options out there. So there's a ton of options for people to start to look for a virtual assistant or for someone to come in and help in their business. How do people, and maybe this is just such a wide variety, but what are different classic ways of contracting with somebody? So a lot of virtual assistants will start out as like an hourly, they'll have hourly package. So you can book for a certain number of hours per month. So some classic ones are like 10 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours. As far as what you need, that's really going to take you some time to like, look, okay, here's what I'm looking to outsource. This is roughly around how much it takes me to do it. So this is kind of to give you that, that ballpark. That's one way to do it. And you can book a set of hours. Most virtual assistants, you pay upfront for those hours so that you secure that time on the calendar. That's one way. And that's so that's a way that a lot of people start out because it's easy for them to track their time as they're getting started. A second way to do it is more on a package or retainer. So say you need something done every month and an easy example of this is social media management. You need someone every month to plan your posts, to schedule them, to write the captions, create the graphics. That's something that's going to be reoccurring every single month. So some virtual assistants, freelancers will say for this package of X amount of posts, captions, it's more like a flat rate. They'll say, this is your package price. One thing I like about this is on both ends, the business owner knows exactly what to expect. Like they know what to budget for every month. Like I'm going to, I'm going to get this set of things done. This is how much it's going to cost me as opposed to hourly. Some things might vary on, on how much you're spending based on the time. And then a third way that a lot of new freelancers are moving, which I love are these VIP days where they have a service that they have a day where for the day you're completing that. So an example of this would be if you need your website design, most website design projects take anywhere from six to eight weeks to complete these VIP days is I'm booking a day on your calendar to get my entire website set up in one day. Now on the flip side of that, you're going to be paying a little bit more upfront because you're getting a fast turnaround time. You're getting access to that person. You guys are working together throughout that day to make the edits and things like that. But that's another way that freelancers, virtual assistants are charging. So I would say to kind of figure out where you are in your business, what you can afford. Um, A great place to start is if you're just getting started and you're like, I just need a little bit of extra help using a virtual assistant and doing like an hourly package per month is a great place to start. And then once you get into the rhythm of things, you can always, you know, change to a package, something like that. Got it. That's super helpful. I think also, you know, women sometimes are afraid to be the boss and assert themselves and all of that. And I do think that there is a very particular way of being direct with what it is you need and still being completely respectful. And I think some women confuse that with being mean. And I guess I just want to kind of talk about that relationship a little bit more because a lot of the women that are coming to hire a virtual assistant probably or may not be experienced in managing, or maybe they've managed before and it was, you know, intimidating or they didn't feel like they were good at it. I think it's super important to establish expectations up front and to come up with a system. For example, if you're working with somebody in the Philippines, then maybe you can use tools such as Asana or Trello or some kind of 
project management tool to connect with them where it's collaborative and you guys can kind of be working on your own respective time zones. And then you have like a weekly pull-up or bi-weekly or whatever it might be. But I do think that having your expectations clear in your own mind first is hugely important. And then being able to really get specific about what your expectations are, because it's not fair to hire somebody, not be super crystal clear about what it is you want or need, and then blame them when they don't deliver your expectations because people aren't mind readers, right? So kind of on the other end, how have you seen that relationship work really successfully? And for people that are looking to hire a VA, like what are some tips they can do to make sure that they're really managing well and directly? And of course, like, you know, being collaborative and professional and clear and direct, like what are some good tips that you have for us to do that well? Such a great question. I think the first thing to remember is that when you're bringing someone on, that there is going to be a learning curve on both ends, especially if it's your first hire. Like if you're bringing a beyond, like they're, they're learning your business, they're learning how you like to work and vice versa. So that's the first thing is to know that there is going to be a learning curve. Like there might be some mishaps, some obstacles on both ends. You know, it's not just like you said, it's not like blaming them completely. So that would be the first thing is just to, like you said, set that expectation. Like there is going to be a learning curve as we dive into this. The second thing that I would say is a lot of times people get, when they want to hire, they're hiring at the point where they're overwhelmed. And so a lot of what I talk about is getting like, before you're at that place of overwhelm, start to prepare for that. If you know your business is moving in a direction where you're going to eventually need help, start to prepare for that, start to create SOP, start to create these, put these systems in place. So it's not when you bring someone on, like you're trying to pull these pieces together, you bring someone into an already well-oiled machine where you're able to maybe have a welcome video explaining like, here's what's going on in my business, have a couple walkthrough tutorials. Loom is a really great one. If you have a certain program that you use or a certain way you like something done, if you're explaining something, that's a really great way. I know for me, I'm super visual. So seeing a video walkthrough of something has been like, as coming into a business owner's business has been helpful for me because that way I'm clear on what they want because I've used their tutorial and that kind of just sets the stage. Having those SOPs, which are standard operating procedures um, for anyone who's unsure of that, that's just kind of how you um, go through certain pieces of your business, how you operate them, what that looks like. And this could be written out in text form. This can be a video walkthrough, but um, those are two tips I would say is keep keep an open mind, um, know that there's a learning curve bringing people in. And then before you bring people in, taking the time to really set up those systems and those procedures so that you bring someone in and they already can start out on the right foot because they know exactly what's going on in your business and how they can support you best. I love that. Yeah. Setting them up for success. And I love that idea about the video recording. I never thought about that. And I'm also very visual. So I love that because it's something that somebody could refer back to and then really Mm -hmm. watch and see the step-by-step process and investing the time to get them set up properly. So I do think there's a lot of ownership and accountability that needs to happen when you hire somebody. You know, another thing as far as like management styles or leadership tips on, on that note briefly, I always like to assume that if somebody doesn't know something that I'm managing like something that I thought I made clear and then it wasn't clear. I'm a fan of taking accountability for not communicating it properly. I think that is really important. And seeing your hire, whoever that hire is, whether they're full-time or contractor or whatever, seeing them as a team member and respecting them for their skills and their knowledge and being open to listening to them and taking time for their questions and just understanding their struggles and all of that stuff, I think is just all super important. You talked about don't hire, try not to hire like when you're already way 
overloaded. And I've heard that from Amy Porterfield. She said that. What about if somebody isn't quite making money yet? Is it worth it? Is it, is this something that you would say, you know what, make a small investment because it's going to free up your time and it's worth the investment? Or do you think someone needs to get a little bit more like on steady ground and get their footing and make sure that they have a viable business before they invest? Like, how do we make that judgment call? A little bit of both, but you're right. I think a big thing that I'm, I stand firm in, and I believe like in all aspects, not just in my business, but in life, time is our greatest commodity. And we can never get that time back. We could always earn more money. There's always things that we could do to get more money. Like, you know, even if you know, tomorrow my business crumbles to the ground, like I could go back and get a teaching job, you know, like we can always do that, but we can't ever get back more time. So for me, I look at it from that perspective, like what you were talking about, what's going to be more valuable to me. If I try to do all of this and, you know, work myself to the bone and work all hours of the day, or if I take a small and small investment, and that's like a big thing that I would say when you're going to make your first hire, it doesn't need to be huge. You don't need to sign this, you know, $1,200 package with someone. You can start small bringing on a VA and just saying, look, I'm, I'm just testing this out. There's just a couple things I got to free up so that I can in turn as the business owner, as the visionary, I can go back to the parts of my business that need me that I'm really good at. So starting small, but I, I do think that freeing up that time with those mindless tasks that again, don't need you is going to allow you to put focus back in your business and grow your business exponentially because you're not bogged down by those, those things. So like I said, kind of in between, like, obviously if you're making $0, like probably not yet, but if you're, you know, getting, you know, a couple months in and you're realizing this is, this is growing and I could take it to that next level. If I had someone helping me with some of these smaller things, then I would look there. And again, starting small. It doesn't need to be this huge hire. It can be helping me out for three to five hours a week, just doing some of these things that need to get done for my business to continue to run, but they don't need me. That is so encouraging and so helpful. (laughs) It quells my anxiety about it because we do tend to think in like very big black or white terms. And I love that you're highlighting that there might be this gray area that we should be exploring and, you know, maybe kind of dip our toes in before we dive into the deep end, which I think is very comforting. So thank you. I would love to ask you about your impression on Clubhouse house. I always say that you can't be on every platform. There's just no way. If you're trying to be 30 minutes on Facebook, 30 minutes on Instagram and 30 minutes on Twitter or clubhouse, like that's going to stretch you too thin. And you're really not going to be able to dive deep within any of those platforms. You're not going to be able to make those connections and network. Say you took that 90 minutes that you had in the week to actually network market, make those connections. And you focused in on one platform. What could that do for your business? If you're super intentional about it. So I would say pick one to two platforms that you know that you enjoy and that you can be consistent. And that's like a big thing. So I'll I'll talk about this with Clubhouse because for some people, Clubhouse is the new shiny object and it is a really great piece, but are you going to be consistent? Are you really going to show up? Are you going to utilize it to its place? So when I first got started, I solely focused on Facebook. It was where I was getting the most traction, most connections. It was working for me. So I was going to work for it. So I just focused my attention there. As my business shifted and I started to shift into more of this mentor coach role, I started to devote a little bit more time to Instagram, getting on stories, showing the behind the scenes, um, showing showing up on uh, in my feed, different things like that. I shifted that time to that because I didn't need to do as much networking and marketing because that was already paying off for me. People were talking about me, referring me, different things like that. And now I'm shifting again to Clubhouse because... 
I love it for a lot of different reasons. And I think we do have to, as far as social media goes in any way, we have to set boundaries in place and we have to be super intentional. Like, why are we getting on this app? What is the purpose for it? What do I need to get done while I'm in here? And then closing your phone because it can become super addictive and the lines can get blurred. And before you know, like you could be sitting down to work and before you know it, you're on Instagram scrolling and doing nothing, just scrolling. So as far as Clubhouse goes, I really love it because it kind of levels the playing field for a lot of different industries, business owners, moms. It's we're showing up as our authentic self. You can't fake it. You have to just show up with your voice. You don't have to post a picture. You don't have to get ready. Like you don't have, you just have to show what you know, which is intimidating for a lot of people who are getting started or maybe are afraid of getting in front of the camera. They have a lot of knowledge. They have a lot to give, but they just don't know how to get past that fear. So it kind of levels the playing field for a lot of different business owners. And I just have made so many genuine connections from there. I know our connection came from, from Clubhouse. I was talking in a room and someone was like, oh, I got to connect you. I think this would be a really great fit. And I would have never had that. You and I probably would have never met and had this collaboration. So it's a really great way, I think, to make fast, genuine connections. Because I think from someone's voice, I mean, even from the podcast perspective, I'm sure you're listening to this right now and you're like, either I like Aubrey or I don't based on my voice. Like you have no idea what I look like, but that is a really telling factor in us. So I love it. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I, first of all, I love your voice and I love your podcast. And I do want to talk about that in a second, but the reason why I loved this idea of you kind of talking about your perspective from clubhouse, because I've seen a lot of mixed comments and one of them kind of ties back to what you were saying, which is around, it's just too much. There's a lot going on. And I love that you kind of talked about how to use it as a tool, how to set boundaries and how to be intentional. Didn't you go ahead and say, I'm just going to try this out for a couple of weeks when you were trying to see the art of the possible and see the impact on your business. Mm -hmm. And how did that go for you? Yeah, I think that that's a really great place to start. Like if something new comes up, like it's, it is hard. There's, there's shiny objects all around. And I, I think that that's kind of how I am to a lot of different things. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to give it a good go. If it works great, if it doesn't, okay. And just kind of see what happens. And it's really, it's benefited me, not just in the fact that like, I'm not solely going on there just to get leads, which is a really great place to find qualified leads. Cause people are listening on conversations and a lot of them are, you know, looking for something or just looking to network. So I will say like that has been beneficial, but it's just allowed me to connect. Like I said, with people that I would have never had a chance to. And a lot of times on Instagram, it's the same noise. I'm following, you know, the same people. So I'm seeing a lot of the same things. I'm seeing a lot of the same conversations and it's nice, especially in a time when we don't get to get out and, and network and meet with, with other people. It's a really great time to just listen to other conversations, hear from other people, get perspectives and just learn from other people, maybe, you know, grow. Like I know that even with what I've learned over the past two and a half years, I always have room to grow. I always have a place to learn. And I think the one other tip I would give about Clubhouse too, is just to make sure if you are utilizing that app, it's, it is a really great app to learn, but make sure that you are also producing the content too, because that's how you're going to be able to be seen as a thought leader in that space, listening in, adding value when you can, but also hosting your own rooms and sharing about what you know, you do have value to give, like you do have something to share and opening a space up to do that. And you never know 
where it could take you. It's just really fun to hear from all these interesting, you know, people out there and learn and, you know, expand your audience and your network and, and, I love it. Your reach. It's, it's been really interesting. And for those of you that aren't sure about Clubhouse, you can go onto one of my previous episodes, episode 25, where I kind of do a breakdown and just kind of listen. It's it's pretty quick. It's like 13 minutes. So I just kind of explain it because I know it's kind of like a black box for a lot of people because it's invite only and all of that. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that really interesting perspective on it. You know, it's funny because I was kind of stalking your Instagram this morning and I was a little bit surprised because you and I were separately doing something inside of both of our Facebook groups that was very similar. And I would not have known that if I didn't happen to see that one story that you posted. So I had posted inside my Facebook group that I want to get practice, which is going live, just getting comfortable because I'm not super excited to be in front of the camera and I love to podcast. And I know you're similar in terms of you have this wonderful platform and I said, you know what, I'm going to motivate everybody in my group to kind of just play and practice and step into their power in a different way and in a different light. So the reason why that came about is because one of my coaches, we were talking about that it's, it's uncomfortable for her to step into her power as, you know, stay at home mom. And she's looking for this identity and now seeing herself as like a business owner is very uncomfortable and not, it's almost surprising. And so I was pushing for my, my folks to go in there and really own their power and their space and step into it and just try it on for size, you know, just trying it on for size. What was kind of the thought kind of when you were doing that inside your Facebook group and what have you seen? Yeah, very similar too. And we were talking about this whole idea of our titles as business owners. So what we are claiming to be, and I was encouraging the members in my Facebook group, whatever it is that you that you're trying to be, you know, like if you're trying to be a graphic designer or social media manager, you have to claim it with confidence. It's so easy to fall back on the titles that we're used to. I'm a mom, I'm a teacher. Like those are easy things to just say. And we believe that, that like that, you know, that those things are true, but sometimes it's hard as we step into this new place as a business owner to claim that title and to claim it with confidence. And so I was encouraging them to not only say, you know, who they are and what they do and, and who they serve, but to say it in the present tense, even if it's something something that they're working towards, like if they're working towards offering graphic design services, saying, I am a graphic designer, because what that tells your brain is you're going to start taking action based on how someone who claims who is a graphic designer, what to do and and who to network with and, and what steps you should take. And I encourage them to go live because it's a safe space to be able to get comfortable saying it. Cause sometimes people say, Oh, you know, what's going on? What do you do? And it's like, oh, but, uh, like you're get tongue tied and you're not sure like what to say. And so practicing it as, and I was like, as silly as it sounds like looking in the mirror and saying like, I'm a graphic designer and I help female entrepreneurs create awesome graphics for, you know, whatever it is and practicing it and getting really good at it because that's something that's going to help you. Like when you jump into a clubhouse room and you get on, get on the stage and it's time to speak, knowing what you do and, and being able to say that with clarity and with confidence. So we were working through those, those, I help statements. And it was really, it, it really inspired me because I told them to comment, but then I said, you know what? I challenge you to go live because it's going to be a really great opportunity for you to claim that with confidence. So yeah, it was really, it was a really exciting time for those members in my group. I absolutely just am so inspired just hearing that. And I totally 
echo the importance of stepping into that power, claiming your space, claiming your titles. It's it's just very in line with some of the things that I've been kind of working through inside my group as well. I want to challenge anyone that's listening. I'm going to challenge you. And I know, Aubrey, you're with me on this. We collectively challenge you to pause this episode right now and claim your power, claim your title. I am whoever you are, what you do, how you serve, you know, and, and I want you to just pause it and I want you to say it and I want you to say it again until you're comfortable. And the next step to that is Aubrey, you and I both have very similar yet very different Facebook groups. So I invite all of you to check out our Facebook groups and you can find our Facebook groups linked in the episode notes in the show notes below. And please go ahead and make sure that you are, you know, checking out Aubrey, looking at all her content. And I know there's many stay-at-home moms listening that are like, I want to be a virtual assistant. What is that about? Or maybe I think I want to be. So if that is you, please, Aubrey is your starting point. Go talk to her. She is the person. She is your person. So Aubrey, with that, can you maybe talk a little bit about your podcast? How long have you been doing it? And kind of what are your highlights of your podcast for folks that want to check it out? Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast is called the Freelancer to CEO podcast. It didn't start out that way. We've been going for about a year and a half. And when I started, the podcast was called Mom with Purpose, which is still very much a part, a core part of, of the podcast. I started as a way just to be kind of share what I was going through as a mom, how I had built my business, how I had transitioned, how I'd overcome those fears and those worries about what are other people going to think and just sharing that. Like that's really what it was about is just being able to support another mom. And then as as I grew in my business and as I really started listening to my audience, they, they love that content, but they're like, but we, we want to know more about freelancing. We want to know more about being a virtual assistant. Like those were those episodes where I did talk about it. Those were my top downloaded episodes. And it's, that's kind of like your sign. If people are asking you questions, listen to them. Like that's where you, maybe you should follow and go with. So we made the shift this past year to, to shift the title to freelancer to CEO and the podcast now really, it, like I said, it does still have a lot of that core personal development mom topics, but intertwined with that is building a successful business and going from being a freelancer to really stepping into that CEO role and how you get there and what things you need to have in place in order to make it a successful business and how I, you know, I give the tacticals, I give the mindset stuff. So I love it. It's the fav- my favorite part of my business. I like, as you probably can tell us in this episode, I love to talk. I love to share. It, it's truly a passion project for me. And it's with the sole purpose of being able to help someone else who was in the position that I was, you know, two and a half years ago, who is looking to start, who is wanting to grow and scale. How can I help them? How can I serve them? You know, it's so fun getting to hear your kind of behind the scenes of it. And also I observed this in kind of researching and listening through your podcast. And you and I have something very similar that I do want to share and highlight for folks out there, because this has come up in some of my coaching sessions with some of my members that, you know, this fear of niching down, which you know, I definitely struggled with because initially I had started my podcast more of like as a form of expression, connection, and maybe inspiration for other women like me. And sounds like yours was very similar. And I kind of started to hone in on, oh, wow, people really want more like of this online business acumen. And I see you do it in your kind of space as well. And that's kind of where we've tweaked all say our messaging and our, the content really, and, and the way that we really serve. And the reason why I think this is super important to highlight is because some, some people that are out there trying to really figure out how they serve, what they serve, how they serve. What I want to say is you need to start somewhere. And so if that means that you're starting off as a mom blogger and you previously, all you did was, let's say, 
um, a nanny or something with children that that is your familiar space and this is new and unfamiliar territory, start with that and just build off of that. And you're allowed to tweak things as you go and your audience will grow with you oftentimes. And if they don't, it's okay to shed the folks that are not really in that next kind of ideal audience that you're trying to serve. And that's okay. And I just, I think that's really important because I see it in your business. I see it in my, my business. And it was something I really, really did struggle with. Like, well, I don't want to just talk about mindset. I want to do something more. And I, I know that if, if you're starting out and you think that you might eventually say, want to go into coaching or go into, I don't know, something else that is not your starting point, but you just need to get the reps in, get the reps in start where you can get stuff done in your comfortable space and you're allowed to grow and change. I mean, look at, look at Aubrey's podcast, look at my podcast, just as you know, cursory examples. And there's so many examples of this out there. A thousand and ten percent. I think sometimes we get into business and we think the decisions that we make are the end all be all. And that, you know, that's why some people struggle so much to get started because they're like, but I can't make a decision because, you know, they think it's even something as silly as like your brand colors. Like they get so hung up on that. I see that a lot of times with with people who are getting started and it's like it can change. Just get started. Just take those steps. Move forward as you grow and evolve. You can you can pivot. You can change. And to your point about finding that sweet spot of doing what you're passionate about. but also serving your audience. That's where the real magic's going to come from. I was so nervous to make that switch. I thought, you know, no one's going to be able to find me anymore. My podcast grew exponentially when I changed it because people came to me and they said, either she's for me or she's not. And that's okay. I don't need to be for everybody. I I think about that too with like email subscribers. Like some people are like, I I hate losing email subscribers. And I'm like, if they're not for me, that's okay. I want to make space for the people who are. I'm not trying to build this like humongous empire with like tens of thousands of people. I want to serve the people in my community. And I can do that better when people know, yeah, like her content's not for me. And that's okay. Like no, no ill feelings, but I want people to come to my page, my podcast, hear me speak and say, yeah, I want to learn more from her or not my cup of tea. And that's totally fine. And that's something you have to kind of come to terms with because it's hard, especially me. I'm a people pleaser. I want to please everybody, but I've come to terms with it's okay that not everybody's going to love my stuff because that just makes space for the people who are, and I can serve them with a, a deep passion. So Absolutely. I I really, I love the way that you kind of captured that too. And, you know, I've heard that from all the different coaches and I heard it from Julie Solomon. I've heard it from Amy Porterfield. You know, this is a really big part of your business. It's the underpinning of what you do and how you serve and all of that. And I'll say this, you know, something that I keep saying to myself is if I can find that one thing, if I can serve one person, I can serve a thousand. And you would rather get really, really clear for that one person and serving them really well, exactly as you're describing that one profile of people and going super deep and going super, super authentic and just giving them everything that they need. And the other thing is when someone says to you, oh my gosh, that's exactly where I'm at. That's when you start to know, like Mm -hmm. to your point, when people started to react to you and get, you started to get more downloads on business type episodes, I had the same experience. And then having the dialogue with folks, oh my gosh, that's exactly where I'm at that's your signal. So keep going Mm -hmm. in that direction.
direction, you know, <laughs> but you can't get there unless you start somewhere. And, and like you say, people get hung up and I'm saying people, including myself, I'm not saying I'm above it. I think it's all of us. It's so easy to get so caught up in these, what I'll call details. Cause you think, oh my gosh, it is final, but we're letting you know, it's not final. If you have to change your branding, if you have to change your messaging, if you have to change any of that stuff, even your niche, it's okay. But just going through the exercise of learning the game is super, super important. And just putting, you know, doing the reps, it's like a workout, just acquiring skills every day and whatever it is that you're, you're trying to do. And just, you know, refining that craft every day. Now I want to thank you so, so much. It has been a complete pleasure. If someone wants to get in touch with you or become part of your community, how do they reach you? How do they find you? What's the best way? Yeah, it's going to be really super easy because I've tried to stay consistent across all the platforms. So Instagram is my name, Aubrey Malik. My website, AubreyMalik.com. If you want to join the Facebook community that we talked about, that's AubreyMalik.com slash community. And then if you are looking to get started with your virtual assistant business, if this is something you're thinking about, my brand new digital product, which is really going to help those women who want to start a VA business, get it up off the ground. And so that's called The Prep. And you can find more information about that at aubreymalek.com slash the prep, all one word. Oh, that sounds amazing. I'm sure there are so many women listening right now saying, gosh, I would like to make money and work from home and have my kids still around and not have to, you know, just be one or the other, so to speak. So, you know, this is really a huge, huge opportunity. I love that you've opened and created that space and these tools to get people started. So thank you again for joining me and for sharing all of this. This is just great. I just really appreciate you. And thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram at Kimberly Lovey and let me know your thoughts about today's show. You can screenshot this episode and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and tag me at Kimberly Lovey and we can share it on our story. I will see you again, same time, same place next week.